We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. Two things you must know even before you learn how to pray. There are two things you must know before you even learn how to pray. Number one is you must know to whom you're praying. You must know to whom you're praying. Which was why I took that teaching last Sunday titled Abba. To remind us again and to tell us who our God actually is. You must know unto whom you're praying. Now that is likened again to a chef wanting to cook. Before the dish is made, it is important for the chef to understand the class of audience or the people or the persons who he's about to prepare the meal for. As a matter of fact, the kind of things the chef will prepare is dependent on the kind of people or the class of people that would have the meal, that want to eat the food. Just follow me this morning. I try to make my teachings, you know, break them down as simple as I can. You know, use analogies, examples, just drive on the point. So that when next you're going into your kitchen and you want to prepare a meal, you know, uh, um, you'd, you'd um, you know, be mindful. You'll be, you'd be able to, to remember, you know, a teaching like this. So before you even learn how to pray, before a chef would say, I want to cook, it's important that a chef knows who the audience who's going to eat the meal. Same thing with you. Before you open your mouth or before you even learn how to pray, know first unto whom you're praying. And now you know that you're praying unto Abba. Don't forget, I gave us a working definition of what prayer is last week Sunday for the sake of this teaching. I said to us that prayer is a spiritual engagement that has the capacity to lock and unlock situations, things, and circumstances. Or you say it's a spiritual force that is used to lock and unlock situations, circumstances, or things. So number one, know to whom you're praying, even before you learn how to pray. There is no point learning how to pray if you don't know unto whom your prayer is going to. Number two, you must know what prayer is. You must know what prayer is. So the chef that I'm using as an analogy in this case, before he begins to cook, before he begins to do everything, he would know what exactly the dish he wants to prepare. Isn't it? You will know what dish you want to prepare before you, do the, before you begin the cooking. Glory to Jesus. You must know what Many believers don't know what prayer is. It is the reason why many don't get results in prayers. These two primary factors unto whom you're praying and what prayer is, is the reason why many believers don't get results. You don't know unto whom you're praying. You don't have any confidence on the, on the one to whom you're praying. And number two, when you open your mouth in the place of prayer, when you're praying unto God, you actually don't understand what you're doing. And I did teach us last week Sunday. You see, prayer for uh, a New Testament believer, a matured believer, or a maturing believer, is much more than just communication. Prayer is not physical. It is not scientific. Prayer is not natural. Prayer is supernatural. It is spiritual in nature. So when you are praying, you're not... You, you, are, you are being transited from the realms of the natural to the realms of the supernatural. 
I feel that if you all would understand that every time you pray, for example, say the prayer meeting we have in the mornings, for example, every time you join that prayer session and you are sensitive, you know, conscious enough of the fact that you're going into a spiritual zone, some things will change about your approach to prayers. I've shared with you before, when a man changes the way he thinks, the things he thinks about will change. When a man changes the way he thinks, the things he thinks about will change. It's the same thing with prayer. I can't tell you how much this definition or understanding the Lord's given me about what about the fact that prayer is actually a spiritual force. It is spiritual engagement. I can't tell you how much that helped me in the past couple of weeks that I've started this, preparing for this um, teaching. That's the reason why sometimes you want to do it. But there is a resistance. It's because what you're about to do is not like food. It's not, it's not physical, not natural. So the forces holding you back, you don't want you to open up your mouth and pray. Glory to Jesus. So you must know those two things even before you learn how to pray. I'm talking about a chef too. A chef doesn't just go, <coughs> excuse me, you know, into a kitchen and say, I want to begin to cook right now without preparing the ingredient necessary for the dish. As a matter of fact, a smart chef would ensure that everything needed for that particular dish is made available. Huh? Even before the, you know, the, the, the cooking itself begins. In other words, you don't want to cook right now and say, oh, you're going to need curry. You're going to need thyme. You're going to need pepper. Then you've placed all the things on the, on the burner, on the stove. Then now begin to run elter skater. Say, oh, no, I don't have a pepper to use for this. Oh, the tomato that I have is not sufficient. Oh, I actually forgot to buy salt the last time. No serious chef does that. You make everything that you need available, your ingredient for that dish, before you begin to prepare. Same thing with the, in the place of prayer. Before you learn how to pray, you must understand that there are specific ingredients that are necessary for you to make available before you begin to pray. I'm teaching you this message I titled, How to Pray. So the same way chef will make such preparations, it is the same way you make preparations, you make things available for you too, that you need to make your prayer, you know, um, effective and such that you may get results. Glory to Jesus. So what are the ingredients in the place of prayer? So what are the ingredients for a prevailing prayer? Number one ingredient is intentionality. I hope you're taking notes. <clears throat> intentionality. Intentionality. What do I mean by that? Sincerity of purpose. That's your hurt actually being in what you're about to do. Your hurt actually being in the prayers you're about to make. To cook a delicious meal by a chef, such a chef must be motivated. You must be excited. When you get excited, you have sincerity of purpose, your heart is actually in what you're about to do. You'd realize that at the time you're doing it, there will be no, you won't feel stressed. You won't feel pressured. But many believers feel pressure in the place of prayer because of lack of sincerity of purpose. 
There is, there is a very great degree of intentionality that must accompany you when you're about to pray or when you're praying. And the intentionality can only come from the two things I made mention of earlier on when I was talking about two things to note even before you learn how to pray. That is, to know unto the God unto whom you're praying and to know what prayer is. You must be intentional. Intentionality is the reason why some people, you know, find it hard to pray. Finding it hard to pray in the sense that you want to pray, you'll say there is nothing to pray about. It's because you're not being intentional. Intentionality for me speaks about sincerity of purpose. You must be intentional. You want to pray. You must be deliberate. Because spiritual things should not be approached or should not be, you know, gone, I mean, you know, dealt with naturally, casually. I don't show up on a Sunday morning and just mount the podium and say I want to begin to share the word with you without some form of spiritual preparation. That's sincerity of purpose. That's intentionality. When I make a teaching with, to you in church, I'm intentional about the teaching. As a matter of fact, my team will tell you, the same way I've taught them, I know at the back of my head what the objective of the teaching is. The same way it is with this one. Intentionality behind this teaching is the reason why I could think and say, Lord, what analogy can I use to drive on this message better? Such that I just don't come and just share this is how to pray and all of all those stuff. And the Lord said, okay, now, Imagine you, somebody wants to cook. Imagine your wife is about to cook. What are some of the things that she needs to do? And I began to go through those things in the light of what the Lord has given to me. You must be intentional. Intentionality or purpose also talks about, you. Be, and I'm going to go there maybe next week, you know, having schedules for prayer periods. I'm going to be teaching you how you can actually cultivate a prayer attitude or a praying attitude. Many believers, when they open their mouth to pray, they are, not, they are not intentional. So intentionality is one ingredient. Number two ingredient that you need before you learn how to pray. Okay? Before you learn how to pray. Number two ingredient is that of the word and faith. The word and faith. Your prayer, no matter how much you shout, how much you scream, how much you do whatsoever thing you do, can never be effective if not garnished or laced with the word and with faith. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 6. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 6. It says that Enoch pleased God. And because Enoch pleased God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. He says, because whoever that would come unto God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. One of the reasons why many people also don't get results in the place of prayer is simply because many open their mouth to pray without actually having faith that the God unto whom they are praying is able to answer them. So why not just keep your mouth shut? This is the confidence that we have in him. That whenever we call upon him and pray according to his will for our lives, he heareth us. If we know that he hears us, then we know that we have our petitions granted. You must never open your mouth and pray in the name of Jesus without an assurance that the God unto whom you're praying is able to answer you. If you missed the teaching last week, Sunday, you need to go back on YouTube and go watch that. 
the faith and the word. The word of the Lord is one of the things that gives power to your, to your prayer. It makes your prayer effective. The word. Because you're not just opening your mouth. So the, don't forget, Jesus himself says, the word that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So when you are praying, and maybe for example, you have, you're sick in your body and you begin to, to declare, Lord, your word says, I am strong, I'm not weak. Your word says that you were wounded for my transgressions. You were bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of your peace, of my peace was upon you. By your stripes, I've already been healed. When you begin to make such pronouncement, it surges something in you. It does something to your prayer strength or your prayer favor. The word and the faith. The word and faith, Romans chapter number 5, verse 7. Romans chapter number 5, verse 7. Faith therefore comes by hearing. It says hearing by the word of the Lord. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Romans chapter number 12, verse 3. Paul speaking to the church in Rome. You know, that God has dealt unto each and every one of us a measure of faith. The measure of faith that you have is sufficient for you to launch, to use in the place of prayer. <clears throat> so like I made an example last Sunday. Say, Lord, you know, I actually desire an A in this, in this course. But you know, God, don't even bother about an A. Just give me a C and, and I'm going to be fine. He who did not spare. Romans chapter number 8. That was not what I quoted. Romans chapter number 8. I mean chapter number 12. Verse 3. Romans 12. 3. Glory to Jesus. Romans 12. 3. The Lord has dealt with each and every one of us a measure of faith. The word and the faith. They are true of the ingredients you also need. Before you even learn how to pray. You must be certain that you have. And see. If you've accepted the lordship of Jesus. There is a measure of faith already at work in you. Because it takes faith to accept Jesus is Lord. For by grace ye have been saved through faith. Glory to Jesus. Take a look at For I say through the grace of through the grace given to me, to everyone is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God uh, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A measure of faith. That faith is needed for you to learn how to pray. That faith is needed before prayer, in prayer, and after prayer. I'm going to be teaching us maybe next week. When I, by the way, this is a part one of this teaching, okay? This is part one next Sunday. I'm going to be taking you part two. The third ingredient that you need in the place of prayer before you learn how to pray. These are the things, you know, learning how to pray for me sounds like wanting to cook. In, in the light of the analogy that I've been given, right? The chef has not begun cooking yet. All he's doing at this point is just, you know, putting together the ingredients necessary for the dish he's about to prepare. Glory to Jesus. The third one is the Holy Spirit. The third ingredient is the Holy Spirit. The third is the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter number 6 verse number 18. Ephesians chapter number 6 verse 18. Teaches also pray in the Spirit always. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in what? In the spirit. That as it is in caps. So specifically referring to the, to the person of the Holy Spirit. 
praying always in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. You know why you need to be praying in the spirit? Because prayer in itself, like I've taught you, is spiritual. You get it? And I remember I've taken us a teaching in this ministry before, titled Praying in the Holy Ghost. I think I took that during a recharge and midweek service. If you go on our YouTube channel and you search Praying in the Holy Ghost, Lofty Eyed Christian Center or Pastor Walete Jimadi, you'd find it there. And I did say in that teaching that praying in the Holy Ghost is not necessarily speaking in other tongues while you are praying. No, no, no. Because speaking in other tongues, it's a gift of the Spirit. And not everybody has it. You may have the Holy Spirit in you, yet not be empowered, or yet not having received, you know, the gift of other tongues. So does that mean that that person cannot pray in the Spirit? No. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It means to pray by the aid of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 26. Celebrate Jesus. Romans chapter number 8, verse 26. He says, when we open our mouths to pray, we do not even know what to pray about and how to pray. In other words, there is a how to pray. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches the how of prayer. He says, brother, spirit makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be expressed. So when we say pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Spirit, we are simply saying, don't, don't pray just with, on your head, in your head. No, no, don't pray in your mind. No, pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? Commune. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to help you to pray, to capacitate you to pray. That's what it means to pray in the Holy Ghost. However, like I also did mention in that teaching, there is no way someone who has the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues can pray in the Holy Ghost without busting into other tongues at some point during that prayer. For somebody like me, for example, it is tough for me to be praying, you know, I'm just be praying, man, that I, and I'm praying in the Spirit. Not necessarily speaking in order to, oh, Father, thank you. Lord, I give you praise. Lord, I declare that facility is ours. Father, you have done it. You have favored us. I just said, Kando Boromon Konto Hondo Kitebonto in Katandalik. You get what I'm saying right now? But you must understand that the gift of all the tongues, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Not everybody has it. I'm telling you that you can pray in the Spirit without necessarily having to speak in all the tongues. The spirit, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That's why it's good to always pray in the Spirit. So when you engage Him, He helps you. When you now have the gift, you know, of all the tongues, that even makes things better. So you then open your mouth and just begin to say whatsoever thing, you know, as the Lord gives you utterance. You then begin to say all the things the Lord is saying to you, you know, as he gives you utterance. You don't understand what you're saying, but the God unto whom you're praying understands what you're saying. And again, in case you don't know, I've touched this also before. It is erroneous for anyone to say to you that except if you're praying that on your own now, you're not, you're not ministering it to people that know um, you should not speak in other tongues except there is an interpreter. Why do I need that interpreter? When I'm not ministering to you. The Bible teaches that. It says, he who speaks in unknown tongues edifies himself. So I want to edify myself. I want to talk to my God. What do I want to do with the interpreter? 
But if I walk up to you now and say, Kenko prohonte hendianda, elele broho bakupo, maybe I want to give you a word, and that has happened before. I must be able to then interpret what I'm saying. You watch me, the way I teach sometimes. Sometimes I'm teaching and I just walk up to you. I feel a surge in my spirit. Watch, it does not come in English first. It usually comes in the gift of all the tongues. So when I say that out, the Lord there tells me, these are the things you just said to these people. How to pray. So these three ingredients are extremely very important for you. You know, in my teachings, foundation is usually the major one. Huh? The erecting of the structure is easy. Imagine I just died there right now and say, now this is how to pray. Number one, do this. Number two, no. There are specific, this is what is called teaching. So when you talk about a teaching ministry or a teaching gift, it's what I'm doing with you right now. God, glory to Jesus. Come and celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. So you have all these ingredients. The number one being intentionality. That's extremely very important. Number two, faith and the word. Number three, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You need him. You need him. You need him. And because the chef, the ingredient he puts together must be used in specific measures for the dish to come out the way they should come out. For the dish to taste the way they should taste. You get what I'm saying? So all through that cooking, the chef needs those ingredients to make the food or the meal, you know, become what they should become. So now that you have your ingredients ready, you are now about to cook. So now open your ears, open your spirit wide, and learn how to pray now. So how do you pray as a believer? How do you do it? Like I said, I'm likening it, you know, to somebody wanting to cook. How do you cook? Quote and unquote. Number one. Reverence. How to pray. Number one, you go in reverence. You go in reverence. Psalm 100 verses 4 to 5. Psalm 100 verses 4 to 5. Enter his gate with thanksgiving. Enter into his court with praise. It doesn't matter what it is. You must, when you, before you open your mouth and begin to pray, I'm teaching you now the concrete of learning how to pray. You approach God with reverence. It's one of the reasons why you even stand up in this ministry in reading of the opening scripture. He says, enter into his gate with thanksgiving and into his call to praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So you don't say, for example, I'm sick and I need it to go. Father, in the name of Jesus, this sickness is gone. This sickness is gone. This, no, 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 no. You need to worship him. You need to reverence him. Speak so glowingly. Speak nice things. He wants to hear them. You see, God has no business or has no request or require from you in granting your prayer request. The only request he has uh, for your own part of the, of the deal is worship. You give him the prayer request, his response to that next thing is worship. And he teaches in that Roman, I mean, Matthew chapter number 6, that we read, Matthew chapter number 6 from verse number 9. This was Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. There is a how to pray. In this manner, therefore pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's reverence. 
If you've been joining the morning prayers, have you noticed that we begin with thanksgiving, we end with thanksgiving? It's deliberate. Wanting to pray and beginning with reverence in your heart for God, it's like you, you know, wanting to dig a ground and, you know, soaking it with water. Such that the process of digging or cultivating the ground will not be tedious. Reverence. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's submission. Still talking about reverence. You know the words, master of the universe? You've got the final say. Everything revolves and you know, revolves around you. Only you, Lord Jesus. Reverence, reverence in the place of prayer. Make sure you spend enough time praying, I mean, giving God thanks before you go into your petitions. Reverence. Number two, how to pray. I have only three keys to give to you. Reverence is number one. Number two is your requests. You've reverenced him. You've saluted him. You've worshipped him. You've given him glory. You've given him praise. You've entered his gates with thanksgiving. You've entered his courts with praises. You've blessed him with the whole of your being. Then drop your petition. And we see this also in that 12, 13, verse number 8. After God did, you know, Jesus teaching them how to pray, he then began in verse number 12. He says, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. That's like a prayer of mercy. And I'm going to touch that. Then when you go further down in verse number 13, he says, and do not lead us into temptation. He then began after saying, our father in heaven, hallowed be the name, then began to lay his request. There is an order as to how to pray. So in your request, if you feel you're harboring something in your heart, you may want to begin with mercy. That was why Jesus could say in that verse number um, 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 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As a matter of fact, when you take a look at verse number 14, verse 14 and 15, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father would also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What if I say to you, kingdom influencers, that from experience I know for a certain that the reason why many of you, your prayers seem unanswered is actually because you are living, thriving, dwelling, sleeping in bitterness, in anger unforgiveness what if i mean it's the word of the law it's the word take a look at it says 14 give me 14 now for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father would also forgive you 15 then says but if you do not forgive men this was jesus but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses i know forgiveness is a very strong you know thing but for your sake ah. Huh? To prevent injuries to your prayers being heard, you need to make that. But this is the caution. Even when you want to pray and you feel, you know, maybe the devil is guilt tripping you or that there is some, some element of guilt in your heart. In that your mercy, you don't go pitiful. No. You go from the position of a son who has messed up with his father or a father. 
and say, Lord, have mercy upon me. This is the reason why I always encourage you all. When you feel you've been offended, someone's done something to you that's so terrible, you can pray about it. I do that. When people hurt me and it's deep, some of them you cannot even stomach alone. I say, Lord, please give me the capacity to let go of what this person has done to me. I shared with you before how I locked myself up in my basement for three days, you know, praying that God should just give me the capacity to let go the hurt, you know, that some people did against me. What if I say that you, you're finding it hard to let go because you've actually not employed the, 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 the support, the help of the Holy Spirit? You've not prayed to be helped to let it go. That's why you're struggling to let it go. But that may be one of the hindrances to your prayers. Mark 11, chapter, uh, chapter number 11, 22 to 24. Mark 11, 22 to 24 teaches us. Mark 11, 22 to 24. It says, when you come, Mark 11, 22 to 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. He says, for as shortly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. See, prayer is... It's a strong thing. It's a force. You get what I'm saying? It's a, just like I taught last week Sunday. It's a force. It's a force. It does something in you. It changes something about you. It causes you to become super empowered. Have you ever prayed to a point where you'll be looking for one devil to deal with? Because that happens to me all the time. God bless you, my sister. So great to have celebrate sister from care. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Galatians chapter number 4, 6 to 7. Galatians chapter number 4, 6 to 7. I'm talking about the mercy part of your request right now in case you need to. Galatians chapter 4, 6 to 7. You must remember that you are no longer a slave. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Verse number 7 then says, give me verse number 7 now. Glory to Jesus. Seven says, therefore, you are no longer a slave. So don't approach God in the mentality of a slave. But a son, and if a son, then an help God through Christ. First John chapter number two from verse number one. John speaking says, dearly beloved, I wrote you this thing so that you may not sin. But if you sin, remember that we have an advocate in the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy to help in times of need. Even though the Bible says that truly should come boldly, coming boldly does not mean you come, you know, um, proudly. All right? You must be able to balance it. Boldly is, this is my father. I've messed up. Do to me whatsoever way you will. Do to me whatsoever thing you want to do to me. Glory to Jesus. So the sub, the second sub under your request is specificity. Be specific in your prayers. Be specific. What do you want? If you don't know what you want and you just want to pray, then you can just open your mouth and just be praying in the Holy Ghost or just be giving God thanks. But you must be specific. I mean, take a look at this ministry, for example. Everything is guided by the word. We don't meet our regular morning prayers, for example, and say, um, one minute you're praying for family, next minute you're praying for academics. You know, no. 
We broke them down. Say, okay, so this week, this is going to be focused. So you pick prayers in that line. Be specific. What do you want? Don't say, Lord, I want a car. You can give me a Mercedes-Benz S-Class or you give me uh, a Toyota Camry 1984 model. Don't go that way. Be specific. What do you want? Call unto me. I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know of. Glory to Jesus. The sea under your request. Pray the word. Pray the word. You know, I told you that before you even learn how to pray, two things you must sort out. Unto whom you're praying and what prayer is. Then in the ingredients, the word is the third one. I mean, the second one that I shared, right? The word and the fifth. Pray the word. Pray the word. Pray the word. Jesus confronted the devil by throwing back at him the word. Because the word of God is powerful. The devil cannot resist it. He cannot resist it. Pray the word. Don't pray your head. Listen again and listen to this very good. I'll share this repeatedly. There is no situation of life. Glory to Jesus. There is no situation of life that you may find yourself that there are no relevant scriptures in the word of the Lord. You know, to help you through it. Regardless of whatever thing you're dealing with. Depression, lack, fear of death, sickness. Name it. Whatsoever thing you're dealing with, there are scriptures in the word. There are, there are, there are verses, there are, there, there, there are things in the word that deal with those things. But because the believer has not been taught the truism of God's word and the power in God's word, the believer goes to God in prayer, babbling. Babbling. You watch. In this church, one will give you a prayer point. We'll give you a Bible verse to, 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 that leads to that. This week, when we finished our prayers, we went on to then still send you um, a summary of the focus for each of those days with a prayer point. So what you should do is to read those prayer points first. I mean, the word first, rather, before you begin to pray those prayers. You read what that scripture says. So when you read that, Bible says the word of the Lord is quick and powerful. It says it's sharper than any two-edged word. So when you read that scripture first, for, okay, so for example, this, my little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Hold on a second. Now, when you now go in the place of prayer and you now want to plead for mercy, you go in this capacity. Glory to Jesus. Pray the word. D, under your request, launch your faith. You know, for the ingredients that I shared, all those three ingredients, the first being intentionality, faith and the word, and um, you know, the Holy Spirit. As you are praying, you are adding, you are taking those things. These are the things that will make your prayer sweet, well cooked. So as you are praying, you are, you are, you are garnishing your prayer with intentionality, sincerity of purpose. You are garnishing your prayer with the word and with the faith. You are garnishing your prayer with the help of the Holy Spirit. Glory to Jesus. In your request, you may then begin to see your request granted. So as you are making those declarations and praying those prayers, your request to you, you're, you're praying as though you have received them because actually you've received them. These things, whatever thing a man is going to be praying for right now, a New Testament believer, are not to be manufactured. 
You get what I'm saying? Everything. The Bible says the Lord has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All that you need to become the totality of what God destined you to be. Everything is already there. But you'd have to engage the force of prayer to lay hold to those things. That's why you're praying. Because they just won't fall on your laps. Glory to Jesus. And the third, the last point under how to pray is reverence. So first was reverence. Second, request. Third, reverence. I make them three hours. To just make it simple for you. Reverence. Then request. Then reverence. You will see again in that Matthew chapter number 6. Jesus teaching how to pray. Taught again, you know, the end of his prayer. The end of his prayer then says, For yours is the kingdom. And the power and the glory. That's reverence. He began with reverence. He ended it with reverence. Don't say, don't start with reverence. Say, Lord, I worship you and I gave you praise and that. And don't rush when you want to reverence God. Don't rush. Take your time. Let the words the Lord desire you to speak to him. Let him come, let them come from the bottom of your belly. Then you go into your request. You may begin with mercy if there is a need true for you. Then you begin to lay all your petitions. As you're laying all those petitions, all your ingredients, intentionality, the word and the faith and um, the Holy Spirit, you are using them alongside. Then when you're done, Father, thank you. Because every time I call upon you, you answer me. Lord, thank you because all these things that I've said unto you, you've done them. Father, I give you thanks and I worship you because this has turned to a testimony for me. Glory to Jesus. So you start with reverence, you end with reverence. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verses 16 to 18 says to us that we should be praying, rejoice always. Give me the next verse. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. 18, in everything, give thanks. In everything, do what? Give thanks. Why? He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanksgiving. And Jesus taught it. Our Father who art in heaven, he began with it. Then he ended with, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Glory to Jesus. If you receive that word this morning, celebrate Jesus. Come and celebrate Jesus if you receive that word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Next week, Sunday, I'm going to be bringing you the part two of this message, how to pray. Don't, so don't go right now and say, yeah, I now know how to pray. Yes, you already know some stuff, okay? Go and begin to use these ones that I've taught you today. But next week, we go a deep further into part two, and I'll be teaching you how to develop a prayer attitude. This is going to be for those of you who desire to know how to pray, but could not pray. We'll also be touching on why you should pray and how to pray God's will. Because the prayer that God hears is the prayer prayed according to his will. I'm going to be teaching you next week, Sunday, if Jesus starts, how to pray God's will. Glory to Jesus. Celebrate Jesus once more. Hallelujah. Glory to God. At Lofty Heights, we don't like bringing our services to a close without giving someone an opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. Bible says that the prayer of, 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 of a sinner is an abomination unto God. Your, right, your path is not right with God. I mean, you've not accepted his lordship before, or you once did, and you went back into the world, and you'd like to rededicate your life. All lies closed, all lies bowed. Please say these prayers after me. Lord Jesus, this morning I give you thanks for leading me to your house. Thank you for teaching me 
all that I've learned this morning. I repent of my sins, Father. Please save me. Make me yours forever. In the name of Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. Saturate my heart with your love. Keep me in your warm embrace forever. And give me capacity to live and serve you for the rest of my life. I give you thanks, Abba Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.